0: Uh, this is our fifth single stock spaces, our first where I'm being put on the hot seat and our first where uh, we have a, a, a guest from Japan. So we're, we're, we're breaking lots of lots of new ground tonight. Um, so so Jeremy, I, I loved your follow up questions. I thought they were really thoughtful. And, and I think there's so much nuance here that it's, you know, this, this is definitely worthy of a single stock spaces. Um, so, so let's do that. What I wanted to do, I did want to give a little bit of context on the stock, um, because not everybody will be familiar. It's a microcap, EMP, oil and gas. And so, um, I wanted to give a little bit of context of what this was before the incident, um, just so that we're all on the same page. So this, it, it, in my estimation, Amplify, but we'll call it Ampy the rest of the time, um, I thought, you know, pre incident that Ampi had the most leverage, um, really, of, of any US traded oil and gas company, um, leverage to a higher price uh, commodity deck. And, you know, just to give a little bit of perspective, th- there's a bunch of different reasons why. There's, there's, they're operationally levered, they're financially levered, um, and then they trade at one of the lowest valuations. So the combination of the three of those in a higher price deck environment uh, is really powerful. Um, so, you know, just, just on the operational leverage, they're a higher cost producer of oil. They're somewhere, you know, kind of, kind of middling gas producer. Um, but you know, if you, if you, you know, if your LOE per barrel of oil is, is $30, you know, your, your, your delta in profitability at $50 oil versus $80 oil is just substantially different than somebody who's producing at 10 to 15. So ton of operational leverage. Um, but then there's financial leverage as well. They've got, right now, they have $200 million of net debt. Um, and so, you know, 120 of market cap. Um, and so, you know, 10% EBITDA is, is uh, 10% increase in EBITDA is 30% to the, um, uh, to the equity, hypothetically, because that's not going to change. Uh, and then, you know, you're, you're sitting here, now you're trading with a two-handle kind of forward EBITDA multiple X incident. Um, so any kind of multiple expansion, uh you know when things get a little bit crazy so just for a little bit of perspective i mean if x incident uh i've got the stock at uh rolling a 3 times ebitda multiple to 23 i'd have the stock at 947 um but 4 dollars of oil is 10% of ebitda the same math on gas would be 60 cents of gas Um, and so, sorry, 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 what are your starting refs? You should give your starting ref prices, right? Yeah. Otherwise we don't know where we're starting. Yeah, no good point. So, so that, so oil, um, was at 62, uh, and now the 23 strip is about six or seven months higher. Um, so so you've kind of already got this. I just was looking at an old model. So, so versus that model that was at 62, uh, and then, and then gas was, I believe, 325. Um, So rolling three times EBITDA on that price deck was getting me to nine forty-seven. When you just generate cash and pay down debt, so this is like outside of capital allocation. That's where the that's where the story would get insanely convex. Um, But let's just put that aside for now because it just makes the math more complicated. So so four bucks of oil um, from that reference point would get you another buck thirty in the stock. So then you're kind of not. And this was by the way three times EBITDA was getting me to nine fifty on the stock. So four dollars of oil, which gets you ten percent EBITDA, would get you to ten eighty. A point of multiple would take that ten eighty. So rather than three times, if you were four times, that ten eighty would go to fourteen thirty six. You know, so so you basically the point is is that you know there's all sorts of leverage with just small changes in the environment. So you can imagine what happens. You know, if if folks think oil is going to eighty or eighty five or ninety. I mean, you would just get literally insane, uh, you know, price targets, um, and of course the company can trade at a huge discount to that. But you know, the leverage, uh, all else equal, here was actually what attracted me to the story in the first place. Um, so that's the context can of this guy. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Just while you're saying, sorry, while you're saying the valuation context. So other than the three times EV, at various price decks, can you talk a little bit about the P D ten? Yes, yeah. Like at 60, $62 oil and 325 gas, isn't PV10
0: still in the teens? Pre incident. That's like right, EV10 yeah. Or their deck, whatever, is still a teen stock. So you're saying
1: three times EV, but uh, it's like a 9 to $10 stock with oil down, oil down 15, 20% from current and gas obviously a lot lower. Um, but there, that, you know, the PV10 value, even at those price decks is still a lot higher
0: than three times EV, but that, that's they're, right. That's exactly that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the PV10 is $835 million, which, and, and by the way, so beta is $200 million of the $835 million of PV10 at, um, at, at, at that price, that kind of like the 65, 325 price stack. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, you, you let me know where you want to jump in, but I mean, part of the, um, Part of the disconnect here is like I feel like the guy in Vegas who's looking at the game between the Chiefs and the Jaguars and it's, <laughs> so it's somehow the line the line is like Jags minus three sorry, the, the line is Chiefs uh plus ten, right? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, one, yeah. Like
0: if, if Pv ten is sixteen dollars, right? Even if beta is a huge chunk of that, if you zero zero beta completely Oh, so maybe getting ahead of ourselves No, 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 that's point. fine. I, no, it's it's it <laughs> makes sense. sense. The bet is, if P V ten is
1: mid teens or even low teens X beta and the stock is at three bucks, so or it was two seventy at the time, so it's three twenty now, right? All these other disparate assets, each of them has an individual P V ten above two hundred or two fifty million with current current pricing. That's right. Right, like
2: <laughs> what the F is going on? Why am I rolling such a loaded dice? Oh, or yeah. is that PV ten not real, not realizable? Is management has have they been lobotomized? What you know? Yeah. It's, it's and you know, some few people are coming back on Twitter saying, "Well, you know, there's always mispricing in the
1: market." I get that to an extent, but I mean, this stock is this stock is totally washed. Like it's traded, it's traded through the float multiple times. At this point, to me, this should not be trading at this bigger discount to theoretical value of the assets. Um, if the assets are actually worth what PV ten says they're worth and or if your assessment of the risks regarding beta is correct. And on that part, actually, I think that's the strongest part of your thesis, and it's why it's giving me, giving me this much grief trying to figure it out, um, is because the event path since the incident has basically played out very close to what you thought and in quite a bullish way for the company. And it's all there on paper. And I, you, said it's, you said you're reading between the tea leaves, but, I mean, not really. Like If, if you think back to, I'm not sure if you follow Deepwater Horizon, and the BP incident? Not closely. These, these, well, basically, you know, I'm a bit of a tourist. I'm definitely a tourist on this, name in oil and gas. I never get involved in these things when when there's some kind of idiosyncratic blow-up, right? To make, it a, to make it a distressed or a vintage situation. But when things are really, really bad in this space, tend, you tend to find out about it pretty quickly, right? It's not as if you'll go a number of weeks or months, and then all of a sudden the press will start talking about how bad something is. Um, because the spill will, like, you know, it'll leak a lot worse. There'll be a lot more environmental damage. All these claims will come out of the woodwork. Um, And and in this situation, the complete opposite seems to have happened. Um, Look, the company hasn't come out and said, we have this contained, we know exactly what it'll cost. But at the same time, some you know, and I, I highly recommend all people who are interested, read your latest note. It does seem as if the ultimate total barrels leaked and or the environmental impact of what actually leaked uh, is a fair good deal lower than, than what was originally estimated. And it does seem like the most likely explanation for all this is that the company is not at fault. If those two things are accurate, I have a very hard time understanding how, well, I have a hard time understanding how beta is a zero. But even if we assume beta is a zero, that's okay because it means there's no balloon liability. Whereas the stock price is telling you not only is beta is a zero, the stock price is telling you there's a massive balloon liability, some kind of cleanup cost, some kind of um, massive fine. Um, is being built into the stock. If me was zero today, and that was a complete zero, but nothing else beyond it, the stock would still be a double. Um, in my view, so right. maybe you could opine on where we are from that perspective.
0: Yeah. So I wish I had a silver bullet, Jeremy, but I think it's death by a thousand cuts. Honestly. So there's. Let's talk through a bunch of them, right? Um, just historical legacy. Um, you know the, the the you know there is. BK in this company's last decade history right I mean the original premise was upstream MLP which you know you can imagine how that ended when the price deck came down by 40 50 um, yeah. percent by the way part of the reason why there was this thought of upstream MLP is that they're low decline assets which actually is um, uh, you know low decline assets is, is a very good thing for this story right now but but anyway so that that ended in flames um, you know fir tree, um, didn't have the best operating history in energy, uh, you know, and their theory was, you know, let's jam two un- underperforming uh, investments together. And yes, they got g out, but I mean, Fertree basically hightailed out of the industry in December. Um, so, so, you know, a lot of that just, I think leaves energy specialists, um, you know, just stay away. Right. I mean, look, the same thing happened with Sandridge until Sandridge just bashed you over the head with the math. Right. I mean, Sandridge, Sandridge was just as obvious nine months ago um when josh and cuppy and those guys were posting about it and you know one day it just i don't know it just started working you know um so i don't think you know like it's not totally without precedent so anyways there's that um you probably should take the aro out of this pv10 ev right um and it's a little bit undefined and there's a surety bond that's that used to have collateral against it but now there's not so hypothetically like you should take your estimate of aro Um, for sure what's on the balance sheet at a minimum which I believe is about 100 million out of your EV Um, so take two bucks off of those PV10s right like two bucks maybe a little more sorry sorry sorry. how
1: how much of the ARO sits at beta though because if a lot of the ARO sits at beta you should credit that back right because beta's a zero in our thesis yeah, so in, in this in this way of modeling, if beta is zero, you're not getting dinged for the ARO
0: with regard to beta, right? Uh, I think I think you would because I don't I don't think that that subsidiary is kind of bankruptcy remote. So hypothetically, if, if some California politician figured out some amazing way to just totally screw Ampi uh, it would probably be zero and you would still have the decommissioning costs. But again, I mean, we're going to talk about that later. I actually don't think that there's a good path for California to do anything here. Um, but look, I think for conservatism, just take the 100 million ARO, which is on the balance sheet, and, and, and take that out of your EV, right? So to be fair, like, I actually, when I wrote my article, I didn't subtract the ARO and I, and I definitely should have. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, 100 divided by 38. Uh, and, may, you know, if your estimate is a lot higher, then you can have, you know, you, everybody can put their own estimate for kind of ARO or decommissioning, whatever you yep. want to call it.
1: Um,
0: yep. All right. So those are a couple. It's a micro cap. Um, you know, it's a micro cap in a space that, you know, I, I mean, if um, uh, there's 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 plenty of, you know, billion, two billion, three billion dollar energy companies that aren't getting a ton of love, let alone a hundred million dollar mm-hmm. market cap. Um, I, I mean, you mentioned what I said about the company, I don't, Jeremy, I don't think they've made it that obvious for people. Like for example, on the insurance point, right? Like I think, I think that their, their mix of liability insurance plus business interruption insurance is going to cover the vast, vast preponderance of the issues here. Um, And I actually spoke with the company today and, and, and I feel a little bit better after that conversation because it's, you know, like, One example is like, I thought you would just front all the legal fees, but I think some of the legal fees are covered by insurance, right? So I think the vast preponderance of what their eventual liability will be is covered by, by both the general liability insurance and the business interruption. But they didn't put that in the 8K. They put it in the 10Q. And the way they said it in the 10Q, it's not like they totally bashed you over the head with it. They essentially said, you know, we've we've identified $17 million of liabilities right now. Everything other than de- deductible has either already been paid or is coming, has has been approved for reimbursement. So, like, you had to get it in the Q, not the K. Like, there's no analyst covering the stock, so nobody's going to publish that. You know, I mean, 13 people read my sub stack, right? So, it's not – it's just – there's nobody out there plying the market with this information per se. In um, so, anyways, that's okay. just one point. Like, look, there's a lot of what I'm doing and it, in the entire article that I wrote, everything, I would argue that almost nothing is obvious beyond, you know, uh, nothing has been completely spelled out for people, I would say. Um, sure. It, it's, I, get, I get that it's somewhat inference-based, right?
1: But what they did put it in the queue the number itself ultimately is still a very, very low number, right? Given When you put that together with the fact that we know the spill is only going to be a tiny fraction of the 3,300 barrels estimate originally, right? And that, that, as you pointed out, all the beaches are now open again, or the vast majority are now open again, and have been since those expenses were recorded, right? So it's reasonable to conclude, I'm not saying they're bashing you over the head with it, but any reasonable market participant would, con- 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 would conclude that that $15, $20 million number for Cleanup costs alone, as you said, will covered by mostly by insurance less deductibles, which I assume is a few million bucks or yeah, whatever. Maybe yeah. it's twenty percent of the number. Uh, that doesn't really matter. Right. The point is in the in the grand scheme of the enterprise value of this company, this is a total rounding error at that stage. Right? So, even yeah. if it's even if it's two times this 15, 20 minute number for total cleanup, if there's a back end cleanup cost that somehow is backloaded, they didn't cover in the first you know three four weeks of cleaning up. All this, they find some super rare antique bird that needs to be sent to China to get the feathers polished, or whatever, and that costs, you know, air freight being what it is, that costs another five bucks. Like,
0: you see what I'm saying? I'm only really laughing because you just not... put this out there to the universe. So now I'm just assuming there's going to be a press release coming on this in the next five days. I
1: didn't know about a press release, but I'm still keeping myself. I didn't buy the stock at 270 when I started giving crap about why I was still on the load. So I'm like. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know. Who knows if that had any impact? I don't know. But the stock, obviously, oil's ripped back as well, right? So there's a huge sensitivity there. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it does seem like everything you're saying aside, or notwithstanding everything you're saying, which I, I give some weight to, you know, for a microhab stock that was already uncovered and had no coverage on it. I mean, there's a fair amount of chat on this on Twitter. As I said, the day of the incident the float turned over almost one and a half X, two yeah. X, right? Yeah. So it's not as if it's not as if no one's trading this stock. I mean, I think your argument would carry more weight if this just traded five grand a day. Right. The fact is this trades multiple million dollars a day. The float has entirely turned over more than once since the incident. Meaning those who are looking at this now should be post-event guys. Sure, you're a day traders, whatever as well, but there should be a lot of post-event new money in it. Meaning that money should be reading the cues paying attention to the smoke signals and should be up on this. So I believe my I mean, not my criticism, but my, my kind of wariness stands somewhat given that yeah, I mean it's not it's not the most it's not like you went and did some some kind of you hired some geotechnical analyst to do a survey of the of the Oil pattern on the water above the <laughs> above the spill, and you're the only guy who's accessing right. that data, and you worked out that it's only 500 million barrels, not 3,300 thirty three hundred barrels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's. I would say it's not being you're not being beaten over the head with the information, but it's also you know hiding in plain sight to a degree. So I would have thought with that plus all the other kind of extraneous factors that we mentioned, um, particularly the anchor explanation, like everyone's getting on board with this anchor explanation. If that's the case. There's no culpability here. If there's no culpability here, there's no the downside tail. Is it, there's no downside tail here because that means if there's if there is no culpability, the company can't go bust. If the company can't go bust, the left tail is removed. If the left tail is removed. Um, yeah, but the price makes no sense. So, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the anchor theory and how how confident you are in that, and, and how many how many participants, meaning Coast Guard company, um, you know, actually it'd be interesting to hear what the company said specifically on that. On that explanation, like how ironclad is that explanation as the cause of the incident?
0: I think let's, before we get to the Anchor incident, and Mm. and if I trail off, pull me back to it. um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The one one pushback that I have to everything you just said is Mm. that the most consistent thing that I've received in DMs about this name is, are you sure California won't just figure out some way to make sure they never operate again. So, so, and everybody who sent me that DM has read everything, has probably done some serious thinking about it. Some of them know the energy space incredibly well, and that has been by far the common thread. Look, who are we as a FinTwit community? We think everybody, we think every politician is a total moron, but we especially think... The California politicians are the worst of the lot, right? And so I do think, and by the way, like, let's be clear, California is not the ideal place to operate, right? Um, you know, if California could have banned uh, offshore drilling in federal waters, they absolutely would have many times over. I really do think that, that part of part of this disconnect, for the incident, because uh, there's, look, this stock traded, this stock after fir tree sold in December, after we already had the vaccine rip traded at the most insane price ever if you literally just had Microsoft Excel, you know, it was just so obvious, right? So this isn't the first time this stock's been overlooked, right? But I really do think if we keep it to this incident specifically, there is still... From intelligent folks, a lot of skepticism that somebody won't figure out something in California. So so I'm going to get to the anchor, but that reminds me. Let, let me just talk about my theory on California. So this happened in federal waters, um, you know, whatever, six miles offshore or something like that. Whereas California ends at three miles. So your risk in terms of, you know, your risk in terms of this being federal jurisdiction versus how can California figure out state jurisdiction would be for the two miles of, of basically onshore facilities and pipeline um, that, that are in state waters. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. The, the lease that the company has with Long Beach runs through, I believe, 2040. Uh, and i th- and I th- actually think there's some automatic renewals. they literally renewed this lease, I think a year year and a half ago, so they've got a very long outstanding lease um you know with with long beach um but but what but, but the, the two facts that make this nearly impossible from a political standpoint a it didn't happen in your jurisdiction b it seems to be, and this is a government uh you know it's this is the coast Guard saying. That the anchor theory is most plausible. My guess is it's taking a while for this to come out because there's probably a lot of drama with, you know, the Coast Guard versus the the uh, vessel traffic. Um, there's like a private public partnership that's meant to manage the traffic uh, outside of Long Beach. So I'm sure there's all sorts of drama back and forth, uh, and it's going to take some time for the Coast Guard to definitively come out and talk about you know who's culpable here. Look, if we nail it down to a ship, it's game on, right? If we nail it down to it could have been one of three ships, it's not perfect for Ampi because I think if we nail it down to one ship, then they'll go and get like treble damages, you know? And so there will be zero net exposure, if not a positive net exposure, because they could, they could probably argue that even the, the loss of production income insurance did not make them totally whole, right? But anyways, if we nail it down to, oh, it could have been one of two or three ships, it's trickier from a legal perspective. That's a little bit more of an insurance carrier issue than anything else. Um, but you know, I think that would that would really. It's just going to put the state of California in a terrible place. So not only was it not in your jurisdiction, but it also wasn't the company's fault. And you want to essentially, you know, end their lease in Long Beach and figure out some clever way. Uh, to tell them that they can't operate the, the you know, that couple of miles of pipeline that's in state waters. I mean, it's just the the event pattern is incredibly have difficult. You, have you looked at, or is it in the public domain, the lease agreement with Long Beach regarding forced majeure events and what gives California the right to cancel the lease? I have not
1: seen. I have, not I have not the, seen the that. Reason the, the reason the anchor issue is by far the most important with regards to all your energy experts who you know far more about this than me are worried that California is going to take the asset. How is it possible to take the asset unless they're callable? It's, it's not possible. It's not possible. Can I? Can I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go I ahead. I want Matt. to
3: say one thing. This is Matt uh, given to tweet. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to jump in, just just have you guys discuss, is the issue could be that California or the feds to come up with that they did not report the incident fast enough. They come up, government come up with any reason they want to. Right. So that is what I think you should be focusing on. They can come with any loophole to say you, you, you are delinquent because th- of that. Nothing to do with how the original
1: leak happened. So I'm going to jump off, but that's all I wanted to say. I appreciate, that, appreciate that, that. that. I appreciate Yeah, yeah a- That's great. I mean, that would be an extremely difficult thing to actually get done. I, I, I wish that, that we had an event pass that came out where we, we knew for a certainty it was not their fault. But then California or someone, nevertheless, tried to pull the lease in some form because they took a few extra hours to respond. Because that would be, from my perspective, that would be almost impossible to prove culpability or negligence. Um, and even then, that would be a huge overreach. So, yeah, the stock would definitely get dinged on that. Let's say, well, we can debate whether the stock would get dinged because, um, as I said, even if beta's is a total zero, as long as there's no balloon liability, I, I can't see how, you know, three-year forward market value is is anywhere close to here, but th- that aside, if that event patent did have an we assume the stock would absolutely crush, that would be a huge opportunity in my mind. Like, right. I, I know this is totally unrelated from another industry, but like these, these disasters, there have been a huge number of crazy, crazy disasters of various culpabilities in various industries, and you'd be surprised how hard it is to take the assets away from the operator. Right. I'm not sure yeah. if anyone followed the Orestrade d'Italia incident in Europe a couple of years ago. There was a massive bridge collapse. It was the fault of the um, the people who own the motorway because they hadn't been spending necessary capex to keep the bridge. even in, And the government said they are going to take it off them. Stock got absolutely trashed. Uh, in the end, they couldn't. They had to negotiate a settlement. They weren't going to win a legal case. It looked completely different, different jurisdiction, completely different set of facts. So I don't want to stretch the analogy too much. But the point is, if you can... And, and Matt's point is a good one, that there was this delay of some hours where they re- responded to the incident. Maybe Twebs, maybe you have some clarity on what could potentially cause that um, delay in reporting, other than some nefarious activity, which, which seems to be there could be a few reasons for, for a three or four hour delay in reporting that don't necessarily mean they were trying to hide anything. But that, that aside, um, yeah, I, from, a, from a legal extracting the values to extracting the asset standpoint, if that were the set of facts and you presented those to
0: AMP's lawyers, I'm sure they'd be very confident they'd either end up with the asset or huge compensation for expropriation. So, so I, th- I, I, th- I think I have, I have two things I'd like to add on this. Number one, the Plains All-American Santa Barbara incident in 2015 happened on, uh, you know, happened on state jurisdiction and was caused by gross negligence. They, they in fact, uh, were, were found criminally. Uh, they were they were charged and 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 prosecuted criminally, um, and and Plains All American was given the ability to rebuild the pipeline. Uh, so that's one. Uh, you know, if there was a more clear cut case of you know of having all the excuses in the world uh, to just get after it, I think that was the one. Uh, all, all 12th, what what's the jurisdiction there? Is that Oklahoma or something? I mean, no, so Matt's point would be this is California. No, no it's California, San Barbara. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like okay, it, okay, it happened well, like sorry. literally running parallel to the highway. Like well, you know, my bad, just, my bad. yeah. So, so I think that's important. Um, number that's two. Huge. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. So number two, there. So uh, Amplified declined to participate uh, in the in the state the state senate and the state house. Uh, held some hearings. You know, I'm sure it was going to be one of those uh, like DC theater events where you just try and make the company look bad. Anyways, they declined to attend um, because they didn't have to. And what's interesting, I can't get the proceedings yet. I'll have to figure out some way to get them. If anybody on this call can figure that out, please help. Um, but the LA Times article that came out uh, summarizing the Senate hearing, and this is a committee of the Senate, I think it's the Water and Natural Resources Committee. Paragraph two essentially said, while legislators, uh, while legislators cautioned that there's you know basically almost no way to uh, end federal offshore drilling, you know they did say that we got to make sure that the pipelines are maintained. But you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially, you know, part of those proceedings was like, yeah, we can't really do anything here, but uh, uh, you know, let's talk about some other stuff. So there's there's a couple things that make me feel better here, but none of which. Uh-huh. More so than the anchor incident, which I've been putting off talking about for five minutes. Um,
1: well, well what, what do you think, just going back to the delay, because I mean, there's two parts. Oh, yes, yes.
0: There's the potential cause of
1: the actual rip in the pipeline. And there's a uh, wrote up in his article and discussed on the pod with Andrew Rangeley, Andrew Walker. Um, it seems one of a few various explanations, but at this point, it seems the most <laughs> likely explanation for causing um, the issue because the pipeline was pulled what was it, a couple hundred feet out of position? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, you, I mean, Twemps knows it far better than me, so I don't mean to speak for you, but... No, it's fine. There's the potential explanation if it was a sh- an, an errant ship's anchor, given all the congestion in in um, in that area off the coast. That seems to make much of sense, and if that's the case, then it's clearly not their fault, and if it's not their fault, then, you know, we can flow through the, the consequence tree from there. But the key point that Matt raised was um what, what could potentially cause this multi-hour
0: delay between the finding of the incident or the occurrence of the incident and reporting it to the authorities and how do you think about that yeah so (laughs) i would have never appreciated this when i worked on the buy side but but now i work for a publicly traded company (laughs) and the amount of diligence that goes into filing a k or a q and what you will or will not say is incredible but i would imagine it's 10 times more incredible when you're in the middle of a controversial incident uh, and they've basically referenced the fact, the fact in these filings that they followed their manual to a T. So the company very much disputes, uh, what was in that initial corrective action order. Um, and remember that corrective action order was filed in the fog of war. Um, the, you know, the CEO in press conferences was reiterating that, that this delay, um, did not happen. Uh, during the fog of war, but the fact that they're now – well, not they, but the fact that Amplify's lawyers were okay with printing this tells me that they th- at least think that they have an incredibly strong uh, argument against the delay. So, look, I think the initial – you know, there's there's how it was written in the corrective action order and then how it was covered in the press. How it was covered in the press, it's like, well the company knew about this at two thirty in the morning and didn't XYZ. Like that was just a total farce. It was like they had a low pressure warning at two thirty in the morning, you know, not uh, so anyways, the the you know, you can you can follow what the corrective action order is stating, but there's a highly probable chance that there's literally records of exactly how um, you know, of exactly how they followed that manual, which, and obviously that manual was approved by um, BOEM. And um, you got to think that they're not going to print that if they don't have some incredibly strong case. Um, so look, I think the delay could potentially be a non-issue. If we do find that there was an hour or two of dead space, I mean... I'm not sure exactly what it does, to be frank. Particularly if the anchor will obviously be the proximate cause of of the incident, if if we have that proof. Um,
1: especially because, especially because the ultimate call. Con- consequences of the spill have turned out to be relatively minor in the thing. so you can have some angry AOC like politician getting on her platform saying they waited three hours in those three hours five of my favorite pelicans from the North Bay got slicked in oil and as a result I'll never have babies again you know that could make for bad headlines but as it turns out the consequences were, were relatively modest in terms of my dollar number obviously so far and then also um the putative environmental costs, just just going on what's been in the press, right? X number of oily birds, X number of dead birds. You know, um, not to not to be flippant, but but in the grand scheme of things, it, it seems to have been relatively um, a, a, an excellent cleanup job thus far. And so, you would expect there to be a, a direct uh, a relationship between the amount of environmental pain um, and discussion in the press and the consequences of any potential delay. And, and to my mind, there hasn't been that. And so you would, you know, again, it's an assumption, but you, I believe it's a reasonable assumption. Um, the cost of that delay, even if there is a cost, should be relatively mild. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's, hey, I think that's all completely fair. Hey, t hey, Webs, can I jump in for a second? Of course. Uh, the first I heard of this, I immediately got PTSD thinking back to Pacific Gas and Electric in California. Right. And it's different, mm. but... Mm, they had utility infrastructure that caught on fire through no fault of their own and due to just a very
3: special doctrine in utility regulation they were you know on the hook basically liable for um, the damages that were caused so it was just like a wrinkle in utility regulation that actually took them down even though you know you could say it was the the lightning that Caused the forest to catch on fire, and then their stuff just got caught up in So even though that this could be Ampe's uh, no fault of their own, are there any weird California state regulations that we should be aware of? Because in the the utility got screwed just because they were in California, so it's very specific to the state. Is there anything like that that we should be
0: aware of? I, I mean, I don't think it's really is the only real wrinkle is just from a fe- the, from a federal perspective. The Oil Pollution Act states that. You know the owner of the asset is the first line of defense, and hence, uh, you know whether whether we figure out three weeks from now that this was the MSC ship or the Costco ship, is irrelevant at first, right? The first line of defense is Ambe. But the issue is, is it's like you, to, to even operate, you have to have insane amounts of insurance coverage. So, again, it comes back to, of course, you want to worry about Ambe's net exposure. Um, but a lot of the gross exposure is more about Ambe's insurance carriers than Ambe itself. So I would say the Oil Pollution Act is really the more, you know, is, is probably the the wrinkle per se. Um, but I, I I can't. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But I can't think of um, I can't think of anything that presents a wrinkle uh, um, other than the Oil Pollution Act. I think that's fair.
3: I think it also probably would have surfaced by now, someone. Somewhat- we would have brought it up. I mean, PG and is very well covered, so the utility analyst brought it up like immediately. Uh, but I feel like we would have heard something by now.
0: So thanks. Yeah, I think I actually what Jeremy said in the beginning about usually the good news comes out quite quickly. Uh, sorry, the bad news comes out quite oh, quickly. Bad, bad in an, in, yeah, in an incident like this, and um, you know, they you know, we're, we're about I think forty-five to fifty-five days post-event right now, and. Um, the real news that is le- leaking out, to be honest, is about the anchor, uh, including the new revelation from this weekend that the Coast Guard has also deemed the, cos- uh, the Costco of Beijing to be a vessel of interest. Um, so Jeremy, is is it a good time to talk about the anchor incident or do we did we leave anything hanging?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I see what
0: you did there. <laughs> um. about
1: it I mean it's it's fairly it's more the consequence you know like is there more detail to add to it I I feel like we we went through it in various bits and bolts. I I was actually going to try and press you on like moving on from the actual events sorry the actual facts
3: to how we get paid yeah because can I I pose a question can I pose pose, pose a question for you guys before you get to the page just because a little bit um, I I think T-Webs is interesting because T-Webs was involved in this before the oil spill and did a great job with his write-up. And I was involved with it for a few years before that. So I have some perspective with Ampi which is all bad. Everything's been bad, basically. <laughs> Up until the oil spill, which every listener should know. This company has uh, misproduction, uh, bankrupted, uh, merged them, people didn't like. Literally, there's nothing that could happen except for oil prices going, oh, they, they
0: hedged their oil at the wrong time. Mm. Oh, actually, oh, no, they come they on. Their the hedges were amazing period. during COVID. I'm sorry, I take it back. I didn't mean you're right. The hedges were
2: amazing, and the market still set the stock to $0.60. Cents. Yeah, Things exactly. At all mm. About any of mm. the hedges. It was totally irrelevant. So, and then now they have all the
3: hedges that are bad, and then we get no credit for the strip for the future <laughs> year. So yes, yes. It's, it's truly unbelievable. But, but this is the question I, I really, I truly think this is the key to the story, and, I, and I'm pure, really curious to hear you guys' perspective on this. The market cap right now is like 100 and whatever it is, $20, 30000000 I, I forget something around there. And it's lost, it's lost $100 million from, uh from, from the spill. And yeah, the strip's up a little bit, but this thing, has, this thing does not go up or down really with the strip, as we all know, except it did. <laughs> it did actually because of T-Web's post. I think T-Web actually got it from 350 to, to 6 before the oil spill happened for years. The stock did nothing and then finally started moving. And then they had the oil spill. My question is this. So it's lost $100 million of market cap and Beta is worth, you know, alone an, an NPV of uh, at least probably two hundred million dollars. And and I, and I think uh, if you looked at some of the bull stuff, there was a guy on on Twitter, Doem Go, who was the guy that got me into this. He thinks that Beta also. Oh, this is another thing I'm interested in hearing your opinions about. Beta had an expansion that they were looking into doing. Yeah. And that could have been worth many dollars a share. So I guess I guess I'm confused why I'm confused why we're so excited about it now versus the day before all of this noise when it's lost the 90 million of, of market cap and, or 100 million market cap and the old AMP never got any credit for anything at all so actually to, 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 I'm almost done talking but to your point about how do we get paid does this company which now has a board with The entire board has less than 1% ownership, which is something very important that you guys should discuss, how there used to be big owners on this board, and they're all gone. They're completely gone. So now it's a 1% board ownership, so they have no incentive whatsoever to sell the company. Um, how, how do we get a resolution to these assets, especially when you have the overhang of liability with beta for years? I'm done. That's
0: it. <laughs> wait, like, wait, Matt, wait. But, but before you mute yourself, when you say how do you get a resolute, what do you mean by the last point that you said? I don't know how you sell the whole company oh, yeah. knowing that You're you,
3: have the, you have these underlying, you never, first of all, we know Fir Tree we know Fir Tree would have sold the company in the end of 2020 for anything above a $1.20, right? Because they, they own a quarter of the company, so they would have sold it in a second for a $1.21. Now, the strip was much lower than. So that's not super relevant, but my point is, it definitely was shopped, and it definitely could not get sold. They own a quarter of the company, and two of the guys were on the board. So, and it's levered. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Matt. Are you sure it was shopped? How do we know, know that for a fact? I do not that know it? that. I'm so sorry. I do not know that, but I would assume if I owned a quarter of the company, 25% of the company, and I had two board seats, I would definitely shop it, or at least try to sell it before I would sell it in a block on the secondary. But I do not know that. I do not know that. So we're a small little company, and and, and the oil prices are way higher now than they were last year. So it's not super relevant. It's a very much a macro thing. Where yeah,
1: uh, I mean, it's not that relevant. Yes it's and not no. Try, trying to sell a small cap E P with leverage in in the back end of you know post COVID versus now. I mean, not, no, not I, to shit on the rest of your points. I totally agree with a lot of the other points. But no, I agree with you. No, no, I, mean, no, no, I,
3: I agree with you. Yeah. I'm, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not totally relevant. Yeah, okay, okay, it's cool, not, cool, it, cool. It's not, it's not really relevant anymore. I
1: totally agree with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's so but, different. But yeah, I mean, look, you, you raise a lot of important points. How do you actually get value out of this thing? Given, look, they're not going to sell the whole company. Um, you may, you may have this overhang on beta for. I mean, I think, I think years is actually pessimistic given the facts as we know them. Frankly, I mean, I think you could, you could have this maybe not in the rearview mirror, but you could have this. You know, to, to use Twebs' term, size the prize by. I don't know, within six months, right?
0: Is that fair to say? I you think, think so, with yeah. thing, But you have, you, have to, you have to have California, the federal government, sign off on, on eventually restarting it is the key. It's no, not you, don't. The no, the no. you don't. No, you don't. No, I don't think that's true. California I mean, that California would to need... Win on the stock from here? Hold on, Matt. California would need to actually sue um, for them to have any saying. All AMP has to do is to, is to basically... Um, so the corrective action order, which is public, and it's it's in my it's in my post. Um, so if anybody wants to read it, I read, I
3: read I read the order. I think they put that out very quickly because they wanted to make it clear. You know, it's government, so they were like trying to make it clear, like don't you dare think you're restarting this anytime soon. No,
0: no, no. I no what I'm saying, no, Matt. All I'm saying is, Femsa is like a relatively neutral federal regulatory body. There are very specific measures in a correct in a corrective action order. You must identify what caused the issue. You know, you must fi- you must ensure that there would be no future leak, and then you must have a plan for fixing it, and then we must approve that plan. And da 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 da. But like, there's California has no standing. The only way California r- will be able to do anything here, in my opinion, is to basically file some sort of you know frivolous lawsuit. Which might get thrown out pretty quickly because I don't think well, they're going to have any legal standing to do anything. So I, I just want to be I very clear. This is all about um, dealing with FEMSA, not about my California. My view is that FEMSA put that corrective order out within days. And they knew they were to restart the. It always happens. No, no, no. It always happens within days. Always. But they weren't going to restart the pipeline time soon. Forget about the
3: fact that there's a huge, you know, whatever, hundreds of feet, you know, gas in it. I think, I, I, I guess I'm just so cynical about government. And again, I'm I not mean, a liberal, so I mean, whatever. I used to be a liberal, so it's not about me being, being like being like an anti-government, you know, conservative. I just, I, 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 don't see a way that there that there's a path. Let me ask you both a question. Do you think by next summer, the company will definitively be able to tell the public markets um, we'll be able to think we could start beta by you know January first, twenty twenty three, or something? It's like, is that a pre, you know, what?
0: I do. Yeah, I expect. Yeah, I, I expect. Can answer, I, can't answer it all. I expect beta to be producing before twenty three. Uh, so so realistically, by, by the way, I don't think the fix is is complicated at all. I think it's yeah, hard, I, agree with that. I think it's procedural yeah. and. Uh, yeah. I, totally, I totally agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. here's my range. I think the range by which they could have, at the very least, the plan in place and hence give certainty is three to six months. I think the range by which they're operating the pipeline again is like three to 12 to 15 months, let's say. I think the amount of business interruption insurance they have is, it, it's really volumetric, not time-based, but I think it's the equivalent of something like six to eight quarters of cover. So I actually, in my base case, they're producing again before they would have even run out of, of um, you know, the run rate business interruption insurance. Now, what would extend it is if whatever lawsuit California decides to bring is more than just frivolous and actually you know, requires being adjudicated. Um, but again, I mean, look, when the Coast Guard comes out at some point in the next couple of months and says that they've identified that it was this one vessel or that, or that other vessel or both of them, I mean, it's just gonna be challenging for you know California to put any resources against you know trying, you know trying to fight what I think will be an unwinnable case.
3: No, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. Everybody knows they did not do this. And they're not if if they're at fault for this, then every single offshore pipeline should be at fault for this.
0: No, it's bad luck. He, 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 it's, exactly. The only. It, I, I totally agree with that. The only solution here to get to get beta not uh, producing again is a universal solution which impacts every single... And, and that's just not going to happen, right? Again... That's, if, definitely, hey, that's definitely not going to happen. That's my point. So, yeah. I'm just so... Uh, uh, I, I'm so
3: uh, cynical, which is we should all be cynical about yeah. whatever a local politician can do to slow stuff down or do whatever they can do. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I, I own the stock. I, I own the stock. No, talk. totally, totally. But, uh, just going to say, Matt, it
1: sounds like your perspective makes it sound like unless beta is producing again, the stock can't work, no, which is kind I of a fundamentally know, like, different perspective no. that I have, which is which is okay, interesting like, to me, because yeah. my, my, my sure. working assumption is, if beta is a, just a, not another net negative from here, in other words, beta could not come back, but as long as there isn't a balloon liability, yes. given the highest strip, the stock should still be a near level. Right? Let, let me explain why. Stocks.
3: Okay, right, let me explain why. It's because I have perspective with this stock, which is a the right. stock's a disaster, it's been a disaster. <laughs> and it's been a disaster because production has been a disaster in all those other assets, whether it's, beta was their crown jewel, so to speak, which had the most promise. So yes, everything's true in, a, in an Excel spreadsheet that the, NPV's higher, the NPV is you higher, know, the, the PV10, on all the other assets, if you have everything you said is, every, I own the stock for this reason, I should probably be mm. bigger for this reason, if, the, if I have young kids too, so you're about to hear them. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> uh, we all, I guess we all, we all have young we all kids do, We all do, we um, all um, Come here, Leo. come in here. Um, I am skeptical of the fact that, uh, like I said, the, the, the company was shocked at, at a much lower oil and gas strip. They couldn't do it. And I have seen production disappoint for basically three years now. There's never been a quarter where something has gone right at ever on any of the four you know, main, major assets that they own. Um, I would have been shocked if Beta ended up being you know, successful in their, um, their test because I've never gotten good news out of this company. In fact, the only thing they've done right is oil's gone up, right? <laughs> you and I could have been CEO of this company and made that happen. So I, I, I can't give them credit for anything.
0: By the way, just to be clear, my bias is that when you have gallows humor in a stock, it's, it's about to start outperforming, and you're landing <laughs> on pretty thick here. I was,
1: I was just going to say, Matt, I was just going to say, all the people who have that wealth of experience that you have in years and years of pain and disappointment, I saw all these people blew out after, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, after the beta. I'm
3: smaller in it now than I was before beta, but it's not because it's only, <laughs> I am. I didn't that ad. I didn't net ad, unfortunately. Yeah. I am yeah. a little nest smaller. I mean, but you made the point yeah. about the flow trading like 2x, you know, the day it came out. I always find that stuff so interesting. I would love someone to write a book mm. about or a, a paper about that because you you did comment it could be day traders. But we, we all know most of that flow was probably traded like 20 times over each share right? By, Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I don't know how much it turned over. I'm very upset that there's no shareholder on the board anymore. There's not even one person that owns one percent of the company on the whole board.
0: Well, listen, Matt. I don't accept your. I I don't accept your nomination. (laughs) What'd you say? I I don't accept your nomination. I'm too busy. (laughs) I would love you to be on there. (laughs) Fantastic.
3: Let's run a proxy. <laughs> Should we have the file D? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Twirbs, Twirbs can, I, can, I, can I push you on one other thing that ties in
1: with what, what Matt's saying, and that is like, yeah. why haven't they sold one of the other assets at something approximating PV10? or I mean, not approximating, but even a chunky discount to PV10, but a huge value-creating level versus where the stock trades. Why would not they sell one of these other assets? And, or do you have a perspective if they can, or would they sell one of those other assets? Because in your last note, you said... Um, they don't want to be perceived as a distressed seller of assets. Yeah. Frankly, anyone who owns a stock today doesn't give a shit if they what they're perceived as. If they sell, if they sell Colorado, if they sell um, East Texas or whatever at 25% discount to PB10 and get completely delevered, that changes the entire equation, changes everything. Um, and you'll see, you should see huge value realization in the equity. Now, maybe they just don't give a shit because they don't own any of the stock, to Matt's point, which, which is a structural issue we probably need to address. But if they could theoretically monetize any of the other non-leader assets,
0: why weren't they contemplating doing it? Because, you know, I I spoke with when I was on Andrew's (laughs) podcast, you know, I complimented the CFO. I said, man, they put out great content for having a finance department of 10. And the next time I spoke to him, he joked, he said, you know, you have no idea. Thank you for that comment. It's actually three. I mean, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) they, they are really, really thin. And it is in everybody's interest for them to handle this this incident, uh, and not think about anything else for a while. Yeah. Um, okay. to, to, to I could
3: defend that too, actually. My defense, what okay. that would be, is that the strip went nuts the last what six months, I guess. Yeah. Mm. So it's like there, you can't just like flip a switch and immediately. They, they couldn't have sold it in twenty twenty an asset to make to make the kind of money they could. So I, I'm, I'm sure that's high on the list of priorities in the next six months to do exactly what you do. I think this stuff works. I mean, I, think, I do think this stuff
1: works. Let's put it another way then. Why hasn't someone tried to take control of it and do that?
0: Yeah, right. I mean... Like, why isn't there a smart PE guy coming in buying this whole thing up? It's, it's
1: doing so whatever, you putting it in runoff. Of, you know, what it's you a micro-shit. This is a micro-shit. <laughs> yeah, but not every PE shop is Blackstone or a Premier. Okay, <laughs> this right? is like, there's really smart. Yeah, are real. lots of guys small. looking to make 1,500 million who who could live off that, right? I mean, there's yeah. no think you can make. Yeah.
3: I don't, I don't, I think that, I think that also you have well, this, this, this hair. There's so much hair with beta. I mean, it, maybe they could have done it before beta, but you can't do it now. I mean, you have no idea what the tail liability is of beta.
0: Yeah, no, now differ, in the, now in the short term, I mean, but, but look, now you can't do it now in the short term. If beta were operating again, it would be a different story. Yeah, I Let, can, can I just step back a second? Because I think the, the context before the incident is important. So, so the current CEO and CFO um, are, they're, they're finance guys. Uh, Martin came up, I think, through Treasury. Um, uh, and the current CFO, I think he's been with the company for three years. Um, he, 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 it would be if he were here on this call right now, he would he looks at the world the same way that we do. Right. Um, so, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're clever. They're smart. The story that they were starting to pull together before the incident was let's turn into a capital return story. The issue that they had was the RBL there. These these lenders um, absolutely want to reduce their exposure and be out of it. Um, the, this, this RBL, it's the entire debt stack, by the way, um, has another two years. Oh wait, oh wait, TWEFS,
3: TWEFS. Yes. I gotta push back because I've been, I own this stock longer than you. Do you know what that was the story in 2018? That was the entire story when they merged together, AMPY and MPO. It was a capital return story. They did a 10% dividend yield on low declining, you know, low declining uh, PDP assets. And that, and then they had a twenty cent dividend uh, quarterly, eighty cents annually on a four dollar stock, and it was a twenty percent free cash flow yield. And then and COVID it happened. Sucked me, it sucked me right in. I was like, "This is unbelievable! This, the assets are only going to by five percent a year, and I'm getting a twenty percent free cash flow yield." The dividend lasted three quarters.
0: Yeah, COVID happened. I mean, what are you do? No,
3: I know, I know, but the concept of the capital
0: return, low client I mean, that that's old. That's the old. That's the same story it was old, I'm saying in the past. Well, see, and, and, yeah, yeah. What I think, what I think they were teeing up to do was, we've got this RBL around. It matures in November of '23. Um, there's there's a restrictive covenant in the RBL that says you can't return capital until you have uh, more than. T- uh, I think it was you gotta have your net debt needs to be 25. percent Uh, below the the facility amount, right? So at 245, you would have to be kind of like 180 or less of net debt. And so, you know, today, as we stand there at 200 of net debt, I think what when they would have considered an asset sale is if there was just no real path um, or if or you know, if if the bank had redetermined them lower again, that sort of thing, I think they would have said, you know what, like this is just too much of a hassle. We've got to get the RBL out of here and thus let's go sell an asset. Um, but you didn't necessarily have to do that, right? When I first wrote the stock up, you know, hey, there's, you know, they, they talk about how they're going to, they were going to generate $200 million of cash between this year and 22 and 23, 50 of that this year and 150 in the next two years you 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 basically would have what could have worked in terms of being able to both buy your stock and um make well make do with the banks was kind of do half and half so seventy five for repurchase seventy five to pay the debt down um over the next two years and by the way, if you're buying seventy five million of stock uh, over a two year period and you you know I think at the time that I first wrote the company up it was probably I don't know 160 170 a market cap. Um, that's a pretty good story, right And that's why the stock started working. Um, so I I don't think you know I think that's kind of their game plan going in. Obviously it's 50 times more complex now with this incident. Um, but look, I think ultimately the way that you get paid on the stock, is that there's go, I don't know exactly what, you know, the stock was 575 and now it's three and change. And we're sitting here arguing, you know, why there literally might be zero net liability, but maybe the number is 20 or 30 million, you know? Um, Okay, so your first trade is just, your first trade is whatever amount of convincing information convinces the market that the beta issue is walking towards resumption. I think it will be probably a femsa um, filing that gives clear instructions on what the company needs to do to be operating again. You don't literally have to be producing, right? I mean, the market will anticipate uh, and kind of get you there. Um, but the, so, what will get you paid on this stock is just the anticipation of how insane the valuation is, and the in the knowledge that the CEO and CFO. They do want a story here, right? By the way, they're both young guys that would love to make their career um, by having a stock that goes from three, four bucks to fifteen to twenty, and like It'll, there's math that double, can get you there.
3: It would double overnight if they uh, announced beta is going to resume.
0: Well I, think, well, well, I th- well, I think well, I I think it's going to happen. I don't think the stock yeah. will double overnight because there's always something to be skeptical about. But but I I do think that announcement will come in the next three to six months.
3: Yeah, well, that's amazing.
1: with no left tail if you do believe the real root cause of it is not their fault and you're pretty confident that the government can't find some any explanation any excuse to take the asset away from them then that's pretty asymmetric right even if you don't think you get a full can double I, can i push back
3: little on left tail jeremy sure I mean, right now the production's hedged and, and not advantageous price. t when do they get to, when do those hedges roll off? And like, how much risk are we taking on the strip coming down in between? Couldn't that represent the left-tail risk? The strip comes down and the
0: assets uh, don't make money anymore? They're, they're very hedged in 22. And then as you look uh, out to 23, they're very unhedged.
4: Okay, so say by, you know, 23 oil strips, like for whatever reason because oil is impossible to predict oil has crashed again yeah Isn't that your left tail risk yeah yeah sorry sorry you're
1: right i i i uh i should have said left tail risk from beta and, right, and, right. and liabilities right. i should obviously if oil goes back to 40 bucks there, you know in, in, in 12 months from now yes there's sorry, somebody no, 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 I'm I, I correct right. to say that zero left tail risk but, was, yeah. yeah but you also don't you are, you're also waiting for that um
0: the hedges to come off and, you know, hoping the oil cycle hasn't rolled over by then as well. Yeah, so we're good. Yeah, Gary, I think if that's a very fair to earn, point. To the stock, you need to, you need to have that intersection of sanguine to bullish oil view and view
1: on the special sits element, right? <laughs> like no one's gonna be punting this stock even as special sits, without some kind of bullish oil view if, or
0: if they are, I, think, I don't if think you, If you're even right. balanced on your, on your outlook for oil and gas prices, you should not own this stock. It is like by far the highest beta to the to to the price deck of any company, and that was before this incident. Um, yeah, th- you own this stock if you're bullish on oil. Period. Um, <laughs> and so you make me you're making me want to cry, Sweps, because we, this stock should have went to like 15 when oil went to like 80. Well, it was starting to, to work. Own, I mean, little microcap. It went up 50 percent in you know two and a half weeks. Uh, it was really starting. You know, it was starting I know, to you're work. You're making me want to cry. I know you're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There there's somebody by the way that posted a good thread, uh, YOLO Capital Management. I'm not sure if he or she is on the call, but um th- their point was essentially what we just mentioned. They said like, look, there's been these stories in the past, PAA, B P, TEPCO, where before the issue was resolved, the you know, the cycle turned. I think it's a very fair point. Um if you're you know, that that's that's definitely a risk here. Maybe this all takes a little bit longer to play out. Next thing you know, oil's back to fifty, gas is back to two fifty, and you know, you're in you you're not going BK, but you're in deep shit for sure.
3: I would hope that by in the first quarter they sell an asset. Also no one's mentioned in this call, they have the Eagle Ford asset, which is a non uh a non owned asset of minority interest, and they've been talking about selling that for at least a year, and they were waiting until production. I think went on. You, I, can you, you talk about this? They have in the production went on, on more. I guess the end of this year. Just, just,
1: just before that, just before that term, I just actually have to bounce, I have another call. But um, so yeah, more more of this stuff is not really in my wheelhouse anyway. So I'll let the experts take over. But thanks again for organizing, and, and best of luck to everyone. It was a lot of fun. We'll do another one soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it.
3: Nice meeting, Jeremy. Cheers. Yeah, you too. Bye. Eagle Ford's a likely sale. Is it 12? I yeah.
0: Mean, they were saying they were going to sell it anyway. Yeah, it's just small. Um, but so it was like 50 million or 75 million or something
3: like that. I mean, that's, that's material to the, to, to the credit line and to de-risking, I would think, a little
0: I, bit. I, least, think the, I think the pv tens only like 30 or 40 million. Oh, is it that um, small? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Blah, you have a question? Just on, Yeah, just on the cycle
4: turning point, aren't they on, essentially de-levered through the hedges regardless of
3: where the price goes?
0: Um, not totally delevered, but but uh, they they will there will be a fair amount of deleveraging through the end of twenty two, particularly if you just use free cash flow.
4: Yes, I think the hedges here mitigate
0: some of that cycle turning downside that's a fair point that's a very good point because by the way the r b it's very mechanistic the way that they hedge, and it's because of the r b l there are literally um covenants within the RBL, RBL about how much you have to hedge, so as we look out six months from now, six to nine months from now twenty three will be largely hedged, and then you'll start to to layer on twenty fours yeah and hedge at good prices but hedge at absolute shit. so yeah. Um, we, have, we, have, we have to see what oil is when they hedge it all my stocks always hedge at the ship price it's always the shit price <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess that's, that's true somebody <laughs> just made a good point in DMs that um, you know you could always hedge you could always hedge the the, the price deck yourself as part yeah, of this trade yeah you're, you're asking you're asking for a margin call when you start getting that game <laughs> oh brother um, Bla did I answer your question? yeah I think so I think basically
4: agree that it mitigates most
0: of the debt yeah you'll pay down a bunch i mean look to be clear so so this rbl which is you know they have 200 of net debt right now there's 230 outstanding on the facility uh its total capacity is 245 um so it, it it matures in november of 23 um the worse the banks act the more you should just pay down debt as quickly as possible um you know, my dream scenario was that they had kept, ca- maybe you keep like 100 to 125 of net debt outstanding. So as you start to anticipate the November 23 maturity, basically do something like, I don't know, $60 million of a revolver and $60 million of term loan. Which it's fine, you know. Interest expense on that would be pretty reasonable. Um, So that was the capital structure I was hoping to see before any of this incident. Um, But yeah, depending on how the banks act, you should probably pay down as much as possible. Yeah, agreed. So
3: I mean, this is pretty asymmetric. I mean, it's hard to see how
0: you lose. We can argue about the
3: upside, but you know,
4: even disaster scenarios with the hedges and and insuring some.
0: Yes, you. Uh, Justin, Justin, what, what was your question? Yeah,
4: yeah the, the, so I work, I'm an institutional allocator anyways. You were mentioning a lot, of, like, why don't they just sell one of these assets uh, at the end of the day? Like, there's just no buyers. So from the institutional side of the table, there's no capital going to energy right now. I've spoken with a few energy managers, and fundraising right now is extremely difficult, especially to buy a really small asset like that. Like You have some of the big guys, but they're looking to put a lot more capital little work, and even if this it's like a bespoke asset and you for it it just doesn't make sense for any institutional buyer, so you might get you know private money like you know a family officer or something that might be willing to buy it, but it, it's just the capital's not there.
0: Yeah, I think the assets probably need to go to a strategic. And I mean, I th- the one of the one the one that I spoke about on um, on the call with Andrew was the the Rangely assets, which are their their Rocky assets, uh, and their um, Chevron's selling a package of assets that look very similar right now. Um, so you, you could imagine a scenario. I mean, who who knows what's going to happen with with that sale or with how Ampey feels about. Uh, their Rockies assets, but you could imagine a scenario where, uh, you know, somebody buys that package and then, you know, why not tack on um, a bunch of similar assets to, to gain some scale? I, I do think it's these, if you're going to sell asset by asset, they've got to go to strategics. Yeah, I, I would just note that I, I've seen decks come across where like the largest strategics right now, they just aren't
4: deploying capital. It's just their shareholder bases just don't support new capital allocation, even. So that's why we're going to see higher oil prices, which is a boom for Ambe. But yeah, yeah, no, that's
0: that's uh, a fair point. So that's, yeah, I
4: don't, I don't know when that tide turns. Maybe at $200 oil.
0: Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with that $100 oil. Go ahead, Gary. This one is for you. So, we know with the future prices based off the hedges, Matt mentioned that production has historically missed with this,
3: this team, this management team, or they don't operate that well. Do we have a sense of the magnitude of the production misses and how that might impact your forward looking financial model, if it's material or not? It hasn't been material. I'm I the one that knocked him. I'll, I'll, I'll just say. Yeah, you sounded so upset about it. I can just tell you, living the, owning the, owning this stock again, a lot of it was a ship going down. Don't get me wrong, but owning this stock has been nothing but a disaster since the day they merged with MPO, which is when I bought it. And then both of those companies were a disaster before that, and then they were bankrupt before that. So basically, if you've been involved in either of these that were, I mean, it's also true. It's so sad. But it's so true. It's two bankrupt companies that came out of bankruptcy that merged because Fur Tree was a majority shareholder of both companies yeah. and merged them together. Then poor Fur Tree blows out of the entire position at a dollar twenty in December of twenty twenty after years of pain and owning the debt and whatever <laughs> the hell and then we all all of us schmucks bought bought it yeah. back or I bought a lot of it then in that fur tree print. And then um, yeah, here we are. So, hey, hey, Matt, so, yeah. so uh, let's forget about the special uh, situation for a second. Just think about this company, this industry. Yeah.
4: Like, what's different this time aside from oil, like, might actually be going up and staying up, and that could be a huge deal. But, like, is there something we're just missing? Are these just horrible businesses
3: and, like, if just, they're just going to go it, bankrupt again? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, the reason why it attracted me to this, and I think – I mean, I'm not putting words in Trump's mouth, but I'm guessing why it attracted him to – was that this was a different company. This was not a a, 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 a CapEx uh, discovery company. It was a capital return company that had a mildly declining asset that was going to put mild CapEx into the ground to generate tremendous free cash flow over the course of the next 10 to 15 years. So this didn't exist in the public markets. This was the only one like it. Um, And that was what I liked about it. Uh, And... uh, um, I ended up getting screwed. I mean, yes, I got screwed by COVID with the, with, 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 uh, of course, with with, with the, the oil going to zero, negative. <laughs> oil went negative. But um, um, I, I don't have an answer to you about oil and gas. I'm not an oil and gas guy. Yeah. Obviously, I'm an oil and gas guy. I've lost half of my portfolio on oil and gas stocks. So if I was an oil and gas guy, I wouldn't have owned oil and gas stocks. But um, this is a different beast. This is a different kind of company, Twebs What do you what, what do you, What do you say about before that? you answer, T. Or um, can I just mention though, Matt, the model that you described is the type of asset that went into
2: upstream MLPs. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, like they don't those companies. Most of them went bankrupt, and they, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should
3: have met you. Three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, T-Webs, I'll let you jump in. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm missing here because so I think of these companies as being the absolute shittiest. You know, they are. No, they really there. are. They totally and, are. Yeah, you're right. And, like, yeah, I'm very yeah. hesitant to get involved, but I also look at T-Webs' math and go, maybe this is the right price.
0: So, I, I'm actually just, I'm laughing a little bit because the great irony about this quarter is that they they beat production. <laughs> So so, all it took, all it took was, um, all it took was a, you know, damn near natural disaster. But um, no, I think, look, look, if we're being totally fair, some of the production misses is like, you're not going to max out gas production when gas is 225, right? And there's small, there's small misses. They're not big misses. There's small misses quarter after quarter. When gas rips and when gas rips and you tell the street that you're doing workovers and then you beat a... Uh, a quarter on production that actually made me feel really good outside of everything else that happened, uh, that was packaged, uh, with, with that. Um, so yeah, I think, um, look, the, the, the aggregate production decline is 7% on an organic basis if they just spend, uh, uh, maintenance CapEx and that's meant to be kind of five oil and, and more high single to 10% gas. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if gas, um, is actually, you know, actually beating now because the whole economics of, of drilling changes when gas and NGLs, you know, NGLs were, what, 10 bucks a barrel four or five, six quarters ago, and they just printed 36 bucks a barrel for their NGLs uh, this quarter. And, you know, gas obviously had a one handle at some point, and, you know, now spot is where five bucks. so. I mean, the math of what you should and should not drill totally changes. And so, um, you know, I actually wouldn't be surprised if there's some beats on gas production in in the in the near term. Yeah, so maybe two webs, what's different this time is the decline of the shale drillers has allowed the NGL prices and gas prices to go up. Yeah, yeah. Which for benefits so. the conventional producers, and they are actually going to see as long as shale doesn't come back the conventional producers might actually see uh, like a decent operating environment yeah i think that's very fair you you you're, yeah. you're you're taking a bet you're taking a bet that associated gas won't come ripping back for sure yeah. uh, when you're when you're betting ngls yeah. hey guys i just want to throw out um, another question like another
4: I, I think i what what's really helped of course in addition to you know it's really part and parcel of the same thing. Tightened uh, supplies, you know, from shell, maybe from ESG, et cetera, but mainly from the shell washout and the economic destruction uh, from all that. Um, so the capital return has been what's really got the stocks moving, that and the higher price. So is there any reason to think that anti-management is not going to stick to that once this overhang is actually, you know, uh clear in terms of the you know regulatory and legal concerns about this
0: bill i don't think so no i think they get it i think jason is very capable i think martin's very capable i think they understand what will make the stock work but obviously you got to get through all this drama and you know getting through this drama might be three months might be six months might be nine months you know hopefully not longer but how come how come jason and i don't
3: martin martin was before jason um at no point did any of these executives buy anything, 10,000, 5,000 shares, a board member buy 10,000
0: shares, not once, ever. I, I, it's just so hard for me to they're, reconcile. They're just, like, honestly, they're both very young. Um, they, it's not like they, they, these guys weren't like, oh, I'm an SVP at ExxonMobil, and then I went off to a smaller company. Like, they're both young. What
3: about um, the board members? No board members can see the value of the assets. Yeah, and the first well, guys.
0: I've made I've made my uh, my view on that topic very clear. Uh, it's crazy. You, you they, should, they, they
3: should be ashamed of themselves.
0: You, they should be so ashamed of themselves. You, you might have noticed. Uh, you might have noticed um, that there were a couple purchases uh, after the proxy, after a few individuals had a couple million shares vote against them. Um, so. <laughs> I, I
3: didn't. I actually didn't. They, they bought like 5,000 shares or something. I didn't notice
0: that. Yeah, like 50, 60 grand or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't like that. I think if you're on a board and you have a financial perspective, um, you should own a boatload of stock, right? Because if you're a finance and guy and you don't own the stock, and, Like wait, that's a not, problem. Wait, not even
3: that. No, I actually, I disagree. If I'm on a board and I, and, and, and I think my stock is vastly overvalued, I shouldn't own any of it. And I'll probably would tell the shareholder when he called me. But if you're a finance guy and you could see that your one plus one equals, you know, three, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I'm saying like, if you know your stock's vastly undervalued and you work for Tree as a PM, it's, it seems like a pretty no brainer to, you know, put a few hundred grand into the, into the company, especially when you control it,
0: yeah, right? Yeah.
3: We all would love to control it.
0: So I have heard that there were compliance issues with, um, purchasing on the deal, um, you know. I'm talking
3: about like in the so I, 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 even even when it was three four bucks later on the fact,
0: but yeah, yeah, yeah okay, no, fair totally. enough, yeah. yeah, yeah. So look, I, th- I think it's a very fair point. Um, so, but, but I think on I think on Martin and Jason, I'm a little more uh, forgiving. By the way, they also did choose to take um, a fair amount of their compensation uh, in stock, which which probably wasn't super easy for either of them, right? Just because. Like you got to remember, they're, they're, they're just coming up in their careers again. Like, these, these aren't no, guys that have worked like, for 25 yeah. years and made a million bucks a year. Like, that's very much not the case. So, um, it probably wasn't that easy. So, they actually were making a bit of a call on the stock by taking a pretty big portion of their comp um, in equity. Those two guys I feel bad for. For everyone that doesn't know on the call, Martin only became
3: CEO after COVID. He was CFO, yeah. so it's basically yeah. like a CFO and like an
0: accounting officer got promoted to. Well, know, and he was treasurer. He was treasurer two years before that, right, Matt? I right. mean, it's not I, like, I, like I, the I guy wasn't CFO of a major company for eight I nine totally years. Agree
3: with you. It's it's more everything. I support and everything. I, I'm just so... this company just gives me so. It is me. When I found out that they were responsible for the oil spill, I was like, of course, of course, my hundred and ten million dollar market cap, in the oil
0: company. I I, I, I totally mess with the market gods because I told my wife how much I was up year to date on Friday, and literally we were out at a restaurant on Saturday, and I and I saw the ping on my phone, and I was like, that's why you don't tell your wife how the portfolio is doing. Mine's worse. That's so great.
3: That's a great story. Mine's worse. I I instead of me spending time with my kids, I Google. Uh, or search on Twitter for uh, some of my bigger names and that was a big name the day before the oil spill. And I found the oil spill just by Googling or like or by searching AMPY that's what it was. I searched AMPY in TweetDeck nice. and some somebody who was
0: anti oil wrote AMPY is responsible for this uh, for this spill and I opened the article and I was like this is, can't be happening right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was pretty special. Um, all right, so we've got Cole Twitter on the call. KNL, you have a question? Yeah, so, uh, like, I don't really... Um, I don't know the full Amplify story as well as you guys, but uh, my background is actually oil and gas. Um, and, I, and I'm curious, uh, do you guys see uh, a reason for them to keep
4: the Southern California asset in the portfolio? Like, I, I mean it's caused some issues here in the last you know couple months um it's it's an interesting asset from a you know pv10 and and whatnot but um is it the right asset for them i guess
0: i I just don't i don't think there's any i don't think there's any buyer if they were to try and sell that asset so I, i think they don't really have a choice to sell it um I could be wrong. I don't know, maybe California resources or something like that. But um, I I just I don't think there's any natural buyer. I think they just need to make make cash there. And, um, you know, there's there's not much else they can do. Gotcha.
1: Because that that, that
4: Rockies asset uh, looks premium as all hell. you
0: know, low decline water flood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's that ESG angle cause it's, um, it's enhanced oil recovery with CO2. Um, there's also a tax credit angle. Um, I forget that there's, there's some, ta- is it 54Q or something like that? But, um, there's some angle where you can potentially get some, some tax credits, which actually work against COGS in the P&L, not on the tax line. um, but right now, I think the provider of the CO two is getting it. But there's there's the potential for um, there's actually potential for the producer to get it. So there's a couple of interesting angles with with that asset, um, you know. And maybe maybe that is the story uh, if the capital return doesn't work. But I just think this management team's going to try capital return. Obviously, you got to get through the incident first. I think they're gonna try capital return and 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 getting the stock higher before they decide to sell off assets piece by piece. Because frankly, if you sell one, like you're kind of just selling all of them, because you're not gonna shrink, you know, a two hundred, three hundred million dollar market cap company. Um,
3: no, I totally, I totally agree. There's, that makes no sense. It's either you, you, they it shouldn't even be a public company in the first place before the oil spill, right? It's too small. It's too small of a, of a of a capital distribution. It should be part of MCF or. Whatever. I mean,
4: SD or I don't know, just bigger. You got to get bigger. What is, um, is there any like residual or I guess incremental value to, to Oklahoma or um, East Texas? I mean, they have a, a ton of acreage and, uh, you know, these price levels, I would imagine there's, there's something to do as far as drilling. I, I know you guys are focused on the uh, capital return, but, you know, if you did want to get rid of an asset, Having a in the money
0: drilling opportunity is it's kind of what you need. Yeah, I don't
3: they, think they any any of that, right,
0: to No, they are. They're they're doing a little bit in uh, in the East Texas East Texas asset right now, and, and I'm sure it's related to the to the gas price environment, like we talked about ten minutes ago. Um, so yeah, they, they've they've got some acreage, and and they should be they sh- they they should be drilling um, incremental gas um So, and that's why I think you know if if your seven percent decline is five oil and ten gas, that's probably going to more like five oil and you know five six seven gas in the next couple of years if if gas and NGL stay where they are.
3: Right, it's around around the edges. They they're drilling around the edges, but there's no major acreage where you create lots of value.
0: Uh, not that that's I know right, of, Not that I know of, but but it's it's actually probably it's probably a good time to do some work on that topic well beta was huge i mean i mean people on the college should understand there was hundreds of millions to be made if the beta uh uh, lateral drills were going to work yeah yeah you know and that should still be available if your thesis is correct which i don't think your thesis is wrong by the way i do think that the base case is that they do restart beta then then they should just, why would they not be able to expand beta? What permissions do they need for that? That would be federal only, right? It yeah, it's a fair point. I, I, In my mind, I've given up on it, but but I'd be happy to be proven wrong on that. My guess, though, is that you just wouldn't do anything for a year and a half. Um, Whose
3: who's permission do they need for
0: that? I mean, BOEM and, you know, all federal regulatory agencies. So, so I mean if that opportunity still exists um, that could make it a, a compelling uh, purchase for someone else as well right it doesn't need to be necessarily amplified that uh, brings it home yeah, i think it, i think it had they had they been successful with the side drilling at beta, i think then you know like i said there's no buyer, but yeah, maybe somebody like California resources is obviously a buyer, and you know if um because hypothetically if they My guess is that that would have required a lot more capital. So if if results looked really great, you probably would have wanted to pedal to the metal um, and just spend as much capital as quickly as possible, uh, you know, to get as much as possible flowing. So in which case a larger strategic would have been very interested. Again, like there's a huge bias against California. So it probably would have to be somebody that already has California operations, which is a pretty small list, but... um
4: Maybe, let me ask us in a bit of a different way. Um, so I think in their presentation, they talk about uh, beta being worth, what, like 200 million PV10? Yeah, so that's, that's right. Af- after Arrow, um, So, you know, Amplify is a tiny company right now. How many people would be happy with them selling that asset for 100
0: million and moving on with life? Oh, oh, I, if, you, if that announcement was there tomorrow, that'd be a massive equity positive.
3: Yeah, I would, so, change, uh, I would change one of my kids' name to Amplify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, 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 so that's
4: interesting to hear because, like, you guys both know the name like really well. And, and so, at what point do you find that number is ugly? Is fifty million like too little, uh, or were you still happy to hear that press release that oh hey we've sold the asset for fifty million and someone else's problem? I mean, look.
0: I thought they were going to do thirty million dollars in EBITDA um, in 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 twenty two, twenty three, w- without without any successful drilling. Um, so, yeah. I mean, look, selling an asset at less than two times EBITDA wouldn't be amazing, but but um, yeah, you'd take a lot of you'd take a lot of bear cases out of the stock, right? Because like you would also take like that whole. That California, there is a California stink on this stock, like, let's be clear. Um, And then there's, you know, who knows what's going to happen with decommissioning. Um, There's probably more room for legislators to just make stuff up on AROs and decommissioning than, than, you know, um, than, uh, I don't know, pipeline operations or something like that. So... So, yeah, I mean, you would, you'd get rid of a lot of theoretical negative EV, (laughs) in addition to whatever cash you brought in the door.
3: You know, he he brings up a good point, which is something that I'd never be able to figure out with the stock, which is a really good way to to, to frame the question is what is the stock pricing in the EV of beta? And we probably
0: all agree it's pricing a negative EV. Oh, for sure. Right Right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is basically his
3: point would be would be would be would be happy with fifty or hundred million to get rid of beta, and the, the answer I guess would be on day one. Of course, we'd love that, right? Because it would go up huge. It's only yeah. one hundred twenty million market cap. Yeah. Um, and if it's pricing at a negative, you know, fifty or hundred million of beta, then the stock would, you know, it could triple. It wouldn't, of course. But I'm just saying. Um, um, it versus, you know, a long term owner, which of course I know you're. We you, were all owners. We're not day trading the stock um we think beta and you think beta is worth well more than 50 or 100 million today um so that's it that's basically what this whole discussion comes down to really the other assets when i said that the misproduction and stuff i was just being an annoyed owner it's not like it was a material drag on value the stock went up and down with the oil with with with, with the price of the strip over the course of 1920 and 21 it had nothing to do with you know them uh, and their production um, in their in their slight, very slight misses, but that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to the market. Thinking beta has a very large negative value today, uh, way more than the hundred million. The stock went way more than the hundred million. The market cap fell, right? And uh, and that's the opportunity, which is what makes it so interesting. Because you know, to 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 this conversation's point, yeah, that's it. That's all.
0: <laughs> Uh, any Whoever, final? You, you're playing Island Boys there in the background. What? That's it's it's not it's not my kids. That's they are kid. thankfully they're fast that's asleep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's my kids. The
3: Twebs did it at eight p.m. when his kids are asleep, and then at five p.m. on my time, my kids are all very much
0: awake. I usually I single stock spaces. By the way, almost always happens at five thirty p.m. and it coincides with my drive home. But but um, that would have been you know I think. Seven thirty in the morning for Jeremy or something like that, so to accommodate the Australian we had to we had to accommodate uh actually Australian is not relevant he's in Japan uh, yeah. So, yeah yeah he's got a new baby he's awake
4: anyway <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah that's the same thing that uh that that Trump said Trump said, if my kids wake me up at two in the morning because he's in monaco um but uh. What do you think, guys? I think we've covered pretty much everything here. Um, yeah, this
3: was fun. I didn't even think I was going to participate, but I'm, this, I think this is a really helpful.
0: Uh, and you've done such great work on this, Twebs. You really have. I mean, uh, thank you. Uh, but I let's have, just keep yeah. in mind the only time the stock working after I publish has nothing to do with me. It has happened to coincide with the XOP ripping a couple of times. So let's let's not try and give me a big head on that for sure.
3: Oh, I think that's really true. Both your original blog post and the second one both absolutely have to do with your your post. I don't. I mean,
0: it's just the truth. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> but that is why. No question about it. Yeah, I, no question about I'm, I'm going to strongly disagree with that. But uh, <laughs> but but I'll take the I'll take the coincidence. I guess. When somebody when somebody sent me your first blog post because I didn't know you is everyone on this call. Should know. I didn't know. We, we only met after this. We met after
3: the oil spill, actually. I read your blog post, and uh, someone sent it to me because I've been involved again for a couple of years. And, uh, and I was like, oh, "This is amazing. This guy, this, this guy's going to get the story out." <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, the stock like doubled.
0: In like oh, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oil was ripping. Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> oil, um, oil, oil ripped for like three months before that. The stock went up like eight
3: cents. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. It was your blog post. It was your blog post. Okay. Oh, it was man. very well done. All right. Well, <laughs> listen So everybody that has listened until now, first of all, that's really impressive. Um, we need to fill up the pipeline again with some new ideas for single stock spaces. So, um, th- this has been a lot of fun, but, but I've, I've, uh, I wanna get I wanna get some new ideas. Uh every single post, uh is, every single space has been a lot of fun. Um and so, you know, whatever whatever you guys are interested in, if you think somebody's done really good work on the name, uh just send them my way and we'll get it scheduled. And with off that i to put
3: my kids to sleep. Take care, everybody. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there. Thanks, thanks everybody for joining in.